Hey friends, welcome to the Victor Marks Podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations faced with life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive in to today's show. Well, hey, I'm sitting here with my friend, brother in Christ, and fellow Marine, uh, Mark Geist. So Mark Geist, he served in the Corps for 12 years and was later part of the team that defended the American diplomatic post in CIA NX during the Benghazi attack that occurred in 2012. Listen, in this show, we're going to talk with him about his time in service as well as his, his experience in Benghazi, where he has been credited with helping save the lives of more than 25 Americans. And on top of that, Mark's just a dear, dear friend. Him and his bride, Crystal, and uh, I'm excited to have you here, brother. Hey, glad to be here, as always. Yeah, we're going to talk about a few things. There are people watching and listening right now. Of course, they're going to talk about the movie. Your handle is Oz, and you were right in the middle of it. Major film with a major impact. And I was thinking about it today. You were really part of the first cancel culture type of deal where you went on the offense yeah with your book and film yeah you know because the story was being told but it was all around the politics and not what happened on the ground yeah no one was paying attention to that i think that's kind of us as a team felt that that's a story that had to be told because the only way to tell it and it be a part of history is putting it in a book mm-hmm. and, you know once it's published it's there forever right so you know people cannot like it they may disagree with it but it's about what we did that night. It's not about the politics, whether somebody came and got us or didn't, and who was responsible for that. What happened in Benghazi is more, in my opinion, representative of uh, those that choose to serve our country, mm-hmm. whether it be in the military, whether it be as employees of any one of our government agencies that work overseas, State Department, CA, you know, FBI, all of them, civilian contractors that work for those um, government entities. I mean, there we have 200 and roughly 273 diplomatic outposts around the world. Mm. Uh, I guarantee almost every night somebody's getting shot at or at least threatened right. around the world. And we still have people that want to go do that. So I was really hoping that the movie kind of just let people know that there's people like that out there that are willing to put it all on the line for them. Well, it really opened the eyes of the general public and civilians to go, I didn't know that that's what happened. I didn't know there was a security team. And I know you got pushback from the agency and some people, but the the false narrative that was being pushed uh, was wrong. And many people are grateful that y'all stood up to show what the real story is. And now, which is one of the main reasons I want to have you on here, is... You know, people who work in the shadows often get forgotten in the shadows. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've got a friend here, mutual friend right now, um, who worked for the agency forever and actually holds a record of the most high-risk meetings, and no one will ever know. He's a real Jason Bourne, so he's done things that people will never know. And no one wants a handout, no one wants a pat on the back, because we choose to do what we do for a reason. However, when people working as contractors or certain things, they get blown up, shot, hurt, sick. When they come back, I want people to know that there's nobody there to help them. 
You can't run to the VA. Mm -hmm. You're on your own. But you've really taken a step, you and your bride, to make a difference in those people. Tell us about Shadow Warriors. You know, it was something that we decided to do when I was still laying in the hospital bed. Um, We just immediately felt, and from other guys that had served and got injured, knew what was there for them. I mean, you know, because contractors have a workman's comp policy is what covers their injuries. Right. Now, speaking of that, you're laying in the hospital. Yep. What injuries had you sustained? Well, I had, my arm was about severed off. uh, So a piece of shrapnel had went through, disintegrated two inches of the median nerve, two inches of the radial bone, shattered the ulna. I had... Uh, I guess it was about a three-inch laceration uh, in my neck, another 20-some-odd holes in me from shrapnel, uh, chest, arms, legs. And this was from a mortar? Three mortars. Three mortars yeah. that, that came in on y'all's position. Yeah. Three 81-millimeter mortars. If you don't know what an 81 is, it will hurt your feelings. <laughs> yeah, it's, it has a kill radius of 132 feet. Yeah, we had one popped on us inside Mosul, one of our humanitarian missions, and we were just around the corner from it, but that that baby was so loud and so intense and so much blowback, I remember thinking, good night, Mark took a direct hit. You should not be sitting here. No, I, I mean, with me. you know, like I said, it's 132 feet kill radius, which means that you have about a 98, 97% chance of dying if you're within that kill radius. I was within 15 to 17 feet of three of them. Um, the blast went through me and killed Ty, Mm -hmm. on my other side Mm. and then the second one that hit the rooftop took out glenn as well and then there was dave the state department security guy who was in the opposite corner who got injured probably worse than i did i mean he took shrapnel in his forehead he had his arm almost severed off like mine his left leg about three four inches above the ankle uh, was severed off as well and thanks to tig i mean he was the first one who was on the rooftop. I mean, he came up before the dust had settled. Mm. The blast, I mean, it was still coming down, and he was already up there, and he had tourniquets. He got two tourniquets put on Dave, saving his life by getting one on his arm and his leg, and then, uh, you know, he'd come over to me and uh, got one put on me and uh, probably saved my life as well. Yeah. Were well, the doctors able to get everything out of you? Uh, no, I still I still have a few uh, pieces of metal in me. So you, metal uh, and rocks and... <laughs> I carry Benghazi with me everywhere. <laughs> uh, I can see you going through a metal detector at the airport. Like Honestly, this, the scary part is it doesn't go off. I've got a, and I also have a metal bar from here to here. And But that's titanium, it, yeah. Yeah, it's titanium, so yeah. none of that sets it off. Uh, yeah, I got titanium but, uh, in me too. We're, we're clear. <laughs> Let, TSA only has to worry if they start making weapons out of titanium, yeah, right? Yep. So let me ask you a personal question that people who've never served, never been in combat, don't understand that unless you've been in a car wreck or something, you know what, right after the blast, you're laying there. You're, you come to, because you had to be unconscious for a bit. Not at all. You never went unconscious. No. Okay. So here's, here's my mind. What's going through your mind. I mean, right away. So the third attack, um, it was the final attack started about, I think I've narrowed it down looking at video and stuff. It was about 5.11 in the morning um, is when the first, it was an RPG hit the back wall right in front of me and Ty and Glenn. And then the first mortar that landed hit the outer wall um, in front of Dave. And they opened up with belt-fed machine guns, AK-47s, and 
we did just what we do. We started firing back. Ty's shooting a belt-fed machine gun. I'm shooting. Glenn is moving behind us. He's trying to get separation so all three of us aren't in the exact same spot. Right. So we have uh, divergence of uh, firepower. And then Dave, he was over on the far corner opposite us, about 30, 40 feet away. And he was not in a position to shoot because there was a big Quonset hut out in front of us that kind of narrowed and put them into where they had a, uh, their avenue of approach was really funneled down this street on uh, what would have been the uh, Western side of that building. And uh, the first, when that mortar hit the outer wall, Dave um, took shrapnel in his forehead. Mm. He's yelling out that he's hurt. When you're in that, especially a small units, you're in that you have to take care of business first. Yeah, there's before. no quit. Yeah, because, you know, I knew he was injured. I heard him yelling, and, you know, every instinct in your body is to go help your, uh, help your buddy, you know, because you want to help them. But the best way to help them is by taking care of business in front of you. So when you secure things, then you can go over and take care of him. And that's why, you know, what we teach in the military and in contracting and around the world now is um, self-aid first. You got to be able to take care of yourself and you got to train yourself to be able to take care of yourself with medical. Uh, I want to pause for a second, just to apply that now to civilians, to regular guys. This morning, someone made a comment on social media and said, Victor, make a video for us regular Joes out here who are struggling with the pressure of society, what's going on with COVID, you know, the lack of jobs, because we feel like we're about to bust. And here's what I would say to you. Did you just hear Mark? I'm not trying to take away the pain or the stress or, or all of that, but be careful. Don't be caught up in first world problems mm -hmm. versus the rest of the real, real world problems. So you got to take care of yourself. Do an assessment of your mental health. I appreciate the comment. So, hey, you're struggling with stress? Decompress, man. We're over here, but, you know, I know I, I have to go back to do mm -hmm. some things. And Mark has seen me at highs and lows because we're wretched neighbors. There are practical things you can do. I just went and swam a few laps today in freaking 63 degrees of water. That'll help change your perspective. Um, <laughs> so you got to kind of embrace the suck sometime, right? You, uh, what you else do. would you recommend? I mean, you know, it's an adage from the, uh, you know, the Navy SEALs use it a lot. And there's no easy day but yesterday, mm -hmm. you know, and, and really there's just no easy day. And having that mindset ahead of time. And I was reading a devotional the other day that uh, was talking about worry. And, you know, we as a first world probably worry more than most people. I mean, right. um, or at least in a more complex uh, manner. Right, yeah. You know, most people I've been around the world probably, I don't know how many countries, 40, 50, 60 different countries in my life. And we all have more similarities than we do differences. Yeah. I mean, there's, when you get down to the basics of things, what do we want? I want to be able to raise my kids. I want to keep them safe from harm. I want to send them to school. I want to be able to feed them. I would like to have electricity yeah. and water and sewer. And we don't want the government to stick their hands in our back pocket, taking two thirds of what we make. Right. You know, right. And that's worldwide. I mean, people, I was out in town talking to people in Libya. I lived outside of the green zone in Iraq and Afghanistan, Pakistan. I mean, any country that ends in Stan, probably <laughs> um, all of those and everybody I've ever met. That's basically what it boils down to yeah. is those basics that we need. And we get caught up with all of this other stuff. And, you know, we're worrying about the politics, what's going on in DC. I mean, and we've had that conversation, right. you know, I mean, 
tell me a problem that they have fixed. Right. So I'm not going to worry about what they're doing too much. I mean, right. I got to pay attention to it, but um, really worry and the devotional was talking about it. And it was worry is nothing more than letting our imagination get away with us. Mm. Because if we start thinking about stuff, it's change your imagination, kind of like one degree offset. Right. You know, I don't have to change 180 degrees how I'm thinking. That's All I need good. to do today is today I need to change one degree. And if I keep that one degree tomorrow, it'll be a little bit further off than where I was the day before. And I think that's with addiction, with yeah. PTS, with any of those issues that a lot of our vets are battling with. Yep. And I mean, right now with COVID and all that, I mean, all of our, the American uh, population is dealing with that stress of what's next. We're in it together. And I think that's what people need to realize as well. You're not alone in this. That's why I'm glad the guy reached out. You know, what was a real switch for me is when I was in Burma, deep in the jungles, living in a hut for uh, a while. And I remember, you know, I mean, yeah, the Burmese army was out a ways away. And yeah, you had to worry about certain trails where landmines were. And of course, the old green viper that would get you when you, you know, when you're walking around. But laying there in a hut, windowless hut with stairs coming up going, these people don't pay car insurance. I don't know of all the things I just thought <laughs> car insurance. They're not, they're not worried about cable. No. They're not. And they are happy and have dignity. Oh yeah. Especially the women. So yeah. let me talk to you female folks out there. Be careful about letting yourself get like driven because of social media or whatever the standard is. And quit trying to impress people. If you're married, impress your husband, love him. I always tell my wife, if you're getting more gussied up when you're going out for others than me, that, that kind of hurts my feelings. And uh, so I remember just being in Burma going, wow, wow, wow. And then uh, what matters, what counts is when you distill it down to the basic things. Now, I'm impressed, but, I, but we're buddies, so I know you believe one of the stresses in your life is faith. Oh, definitely, definitely. And with Shadow Warriors, you know, it's it's grown from where we started it with just private security contractors or private military contractors to when, you know, and, it, and it's funny how this has all came about. It's because of you that all of this really came about because you had mentioned to another mutual friend of ours, Josh Perry, who uh, runs Baden K-9 up in uh, Ontario, Canada, yeah. that... I should get a service dog yep. that I needed a service dog. And I got a service dog that's developed a relationship there. And that service dog has oh, man. helped me in so many different oh, ways, goodness. but it's really helped us grow our program with shadow where, you know, we're helping other vets now get um, service animals. But then our big program that is really, we launched um, two months ago is our canine therapy program. And, and yeah, okay, people out there, I'm not a therapist, but yeah, I am a therapist. It's just, yeah. I don't have a certificate from right. a college or a university yeah. that says that, but yeah. I we know what works and what doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, but uh, cause I always ask somebody, is it really therapy? Cause you're not a certified therapist. I'm <laughs> like, well, I've got a lifelong of credentials that I think I can talk to this matter with some expertise. But well, it's just like somebody awarded me a PhD. Yeah. It's honorary. And somebody goes, well, honorary. I go, I don't know. The college <laughs> called me and said, we're using your materials for our PhD department. So we thought we ought to give you one. I said, okay, I feel smarter, even though I can't pronounce what the degrees in. Well, I've got a, I've got a PhD as well. 
Postal digger? No, a proud high school diploma. Bam! <laughs> ba, 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 with, with common sense. Yeah, with a life of common sense. But, you know, it's I don't think you can deal with the stress of life without having your faith, without mm. having something, that, that greater purpose. I mean, you know, and that's something that's always been within me is that greater sense of service, being a part of something bigger than myself, and which is probably why I joined the Marine Corps, why I went into law enforcement. I mean, everything I've done is to serve. No, not, ma- not many people know you were in law enforcement. No. What, what position did you hold and what did you do? Um, when I got out of the Marine Corps in 1996, um, I finished my career in the Marine Corps as an interrogator translator, uh, got out. Um, me and my first wife had adopted our oldest, my oldest son um, at that time. And then we had moved back to Colorado here because that's where we're both from. Mm. And uh, I got a job in Teller County, Colorado, working for the sheriff's department up there. Okay. You know, it's, one of the jobs that I think most people in law enforcement don't like, and that is dealing with uh, crimes against children. Yeah. But, you know, for me, it was probably one of the most satisfying jobs, yeah. I guess. And to explain that is I just, I felt, or I'll actually, I guess the Lord had given me the ability to get kids to feel comfortable, to tell me stuff mm-hmm. they should never have to tell anybody. Yeah. And... I was going to use that to make sure they're protected. Yeah. Um, I didn't want kids to have to go back to court. So I was going to make sure that what we did was done right, where it was unimpeachable yeah. um, from defense attorneys, because usually what the defense attorneys, instead of attacking the victim, they like to attack the process. Mm-hmm. And so if you do the process right, you don't have to worry about that. They're going to take a plea because mm-hmm. they know what's going to happen if they go to uh, court. And luckily, the uh, Lord blessed me with the ability to interrogate uh, perpetrators as well. And um, I was very successful at that as well. So my thing was making sure kids just didn't have to get hurt again. See, I love highlighting that because most people don't know. And of course, at ATP Ministries, one of our lines of effort, strong line is counter-sex trafficking, counter-pedophiles work. And... um, I think one thing I would tell folks listening is Mark is a bona fide knuckle dragger pipe hitter and yet uh country boy, right? So all that, but you're, you're pretty smart. I've been impressed with your smartness, my friend. And uh, yeah, it's compartmentalized uh, until you want to use it. Uh, but I feel bad for bad people who uh, will underestimate Uh, the right people like you and I appreciate your work in law enforcement and what you're doing now. So, well, people are listening right now going, okay, what was that again? Shadow warrior. How do people find out more right now? Um, Best thing to do is go to shadowwarriorsproject.org and you can find out what we're doing, what our mission is um, and how we're growing uh, and everything that we're doing in that sense and all the people that we're helping. I mean, uh, you know, and it's really, it's, it's funny. I'd never really thought of it as a ministry until, uh, mm-hmm. I was, uh, talking to, I think he's the president of world team challenge, yeah. Jerry Nance and, and, and Dave Wilkerson, um, which yeah. runs, what is it? World challenge. Gary, David's son, uh, Gary. And he says, yeah, you know, Hey, I talked to Jerry about your ministry and I'm like, ministry it's not really a ministry we're just helping vets yeah and but it and i never thought of it like it until he had mentioned it and i started thinking about it and it is it's it is 
because you know it's we're not proselytizing. and i'm not preaching to people but right. i can tell you this much if you don't have a relationship with the lord life is a whole lot harder yeah you know. and uh and I, I think people right now especially with the return of our vets and everything church has been a hard place for many to fit into mm-hmm. and when they get around normal guys like you know we had you know uh, recently we had 10th group out here yeah a team and their wives and I mean, they're potty mouths. They're, you know, they're, you know, spitting, chewing tobacco, punching, fighting. And that was just the women. That's a joke. <laughs> That's a joke. Please, Green Berets, stop it. Y'all know me. Love y'all. Uh, but it, what was amazing, they felt so comfortable here. And we had a spiritual aspect of it. And by the end of the weekend, they were like, you know, some who had no faith, they were like, okay, if we were going to try to learn more about this whole Jesus <laughs> thing, what would we do? So we're going to end up having a Bible study here. Yeah. And uh, uh, and you're going to be invited to it because uh, it's a way for us to reach great warriors, people who struggle with things most people don't know about. Yeah. Um, and yeah. gosh, I was just talking to Matt Eversman mm-hmm. yesterday uh, from... Mogadishu. Yeah, Black Hawk Down. Yeah, 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 Black Hawk Down. So we were visiting yesterday, and, and we were talking about there are some people that are just gifted to be on the tip of the spear, the watchman on the wall, who they are gifted at stopping what I say is the manifestation of evil. But with that comes a certain level of burden, responsibility that most people don't know. Uh, when you kill someone, when you end them, when you, you can look at it intensely or all the way to putting heads to bed, there's still something that goes with that. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. There's uh and I wish I could claim that I wrote it, but uh, you know, there's, you can find it on YouTube, but it's called fighting monsters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got sent this, it's a, I don't know, three paragraph kind of statement on what that cost is. Yeah. You know, but those of us that do that would much rather, and this is one of the things from that is, the the cost of not fighting the monsters to society is far greater than what it is to us and we're willing to take that we'd rather go fight those monsters and live with what you know the after effects of that than see what happens to society oh man well said and you know people listen appreciate the first line responders appreciate the military and be very thankful for the guys that do things in the shadows and then come home and have to look at cereal aisles, you know, <laughs> like that's normal living. The others that are not that we forget a lot of times when it comes to PTS is our exactly. law enforcement. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. George Strait has a great song. It's called the weight of the badge. Mm. And if you haven't heard it, um, go and check it out on uh, wherever you can find it. Yeah. Um, but it's download it. Yeah, it, it's, it's intense. And, and I'm, I'm going to, I don't know if I can, I got to see if I can get permission to use it, but there's something like, I've got a thing I'm doing with that. Going to put a YouTube video out on it, um, here shortly, but I was down in Houston. Uh, Oh, I think it was just after Christmas. And I was talking with a group of people. Um, and most of them are pretty well to do mm-hmm. a very diverse population of uh, probably 10, 15 people. And I asked them, I'm like, when's, you know, cause it came up talking about all the stuff that was in about supporting law enforcement, defunding police and all of that. And they asked mm-hmm. me having been a cop, what do I think? You know, I'm like, well, one, we should probably double their funds yeah. and mandate 
that double goes to either more personnel on the street and training. Training. And training is what it is. I mean, it's essential. It is. And when we do cut budgets of our law enforcement officers in our police departments, sheriff's departments, guess what's the first thing that goes? Training. Oh, yeah. Because I can't cut the number of people that are on the street. Right. But I don't necessarily have to put them through as much training. And training is even weak to begin with. Most civilians don't know (laughs) that. I mean, it's like that's one of the reasons why we've gotten kind of a hurt locker. Right. So it's very, very important. Now, hey, listen, there's some other things I want to talk to you about. Can you stay around for part two of this? Yeah. All right, great. We're so glad that you guys have joined us today. And listen, I would just say this. Go check out Mark's website, shadowwarriorsproject.org. You're going to want to see what's going on with him, and we're going to continue this into uh, day two because there's more we need to talk about. So wherever you are, whatever lane God has you in, run it hard and uh, stay the course and get it done. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.